0: Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry, on today's episode. Open our
1: hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw.
2: Above the desires of the multitude of Caesars that may have been in our own lives. This world and all of its desires, it's still going to come back and try to control you. You come to Christ, the things of this world are still going to go after you. The things of your flesh, they're still going to go after you. That's why we need to continually be pledging our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Imagine you'd been groomed as a model citizen under a fearsome leader, but then decided to turn your back on it all. Where would the list end of all the risks you'd be taking to abandon what you'd known for something different, but true? In today's passage, Pastor David investigates a man's history and responsibilities that weighed heavily on him when he happened to intersect with two great missionaries at the time. Hear how he responded to these men of faith and his life-altering choice. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 16 as he continues his message, The Belief That Saves.
2: Silas praying, singing hymns to God, the prisoners listening to him, the nations around, I believe, we're seeing and understanding what's going on, even there in 2 Chronicles. In your life, the world is going to see what's going on in your life, your neighbor, your family, your coworkers, the people you're in school with. How do they deal with those issues in their life? Same kind of issues. How many of you know, man, that, that Christians deal with the same kind of issues the world deals with? But it's how we deal with them. Does the world see you and I dealing with them because we have a reality that there is a God in heaven who loves us and who is more powerful than the issues that we're going through? Guys, what does the world see in our life? In Luke's gospel record, we read in chapter four where Jesus Again, he publicly begins his ministry. This is right after his baptism, after his 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. From there, he goes back to, uh, to Nazareth. He goes to his home church. Okay, his home synagogue. But uh, he goes into his home synagogue there in Luke chapter 4. It says that he returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He came to Nazareth. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He was handed the scroll of the book of Isaiah, and when he had opened it up, he found a passage there, and it's what we know as Isaiah chapter 61, and there he began reading, "The spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good things to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty To the captives and to open the prison to those who are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Guys, what we see happening here in the stench of this dungeon cell is an absolute fulfillment of that prophecy in a very literal way. As they prayed, the Lord Jesus again, he gave liberty to the captives. He opened the prison to those that are bound. But what we're going to see in a moment is that this also happened in a very powerful spiritual way. Here we see these prison shackles that are being loosened. We see the metal bars of the prison doors being opened up. And we see freedom from this physical bondage. But next we're going to see one who, although he was considered to be a free man, he was free in the physical world, but in the spirit, he was actually bound up in the chains and in the shackles of sin and hopelessness. This is the Philippian jailer. Remember Jesus said, therefore, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Free indeed a freedom that this world cannot give you. You may be behind prison bars, but you can still be free in Christ. Look with me as we move on and we look at this Philippian jailer, uh, back in Acts 16, down in verse 27. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And then he, the jailer, called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Guys, in this Roman structure of things, if you had the responsibility to guard someone, rather it be an individual or a group, and they escaped Doesn't matter why they escaped, doesn't matter what the situation was, if the ones that you were responsible for guarding escaped, then your life was going to be exchanged for theirs. If uh, they were to be in prison for 20 years, you're gonna be in prison for 20 years. If they were uh, accused of a capital crime and they were going to be executed, you would be executed. And the jailer understood this. And the jailer was ready and he was willing even to commit suicide rather than to face the humiliation of being imprisoned in his own jail or, even worse, being executed himself if, if a prisoner, again, that had that capital offense had escaped. He knew what the fate was that he would be under should any of these escape. Paul understood the situation and his concern. He also understood that it was more, more than just the physical, but there was a spiritual welfare for this jailer. Paul cried out with that loud voice, hey, don't, do yourself no harm. I'm glad that Paul was quick. I'm glad that Paul was loud when he said that. And I'm sure the jailer was glad that Paul was quick and that Paul was loud. Do yourself no harm. We're all here. Can you imagine the shock of this jailer? That'd be something you can't even begin to imagine. Man, all the doors are open and no one escaped. That's crazy. What jail would that ever happen in? Even though they had a perfect chance to leave, they didn't, and he couldn't believe it. He called for a light. He ran in. He fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Do you realize what a marvelous question that really is? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a powerful question that is. Please don't misunderstand the question. The jailer isn't asking for any kind of a a physical safety. He knew, he saw that all the prisoners were there. He knew that everything was okay. His physical life was gonna be spared. He wasn't gonna have to go into jail. That's not what he's asking. What must I do to be saved because they're going to kill me? No, that's not his worry at this point in time. Somehow, the message of Paul and Silas in their prayers and in their singing, maybe even in the testimony of their lives throughout the time that they were in Philippi before they went to jail, all of that had come somehow to this jailer's attention. Whether it be just the Holy Spirit that came and spoke to him, he knew. He wasn't asking for salvation from whatever his Roman superiors was going to do against him. He was concerned about how he would stand before that very God that Paul and Silas were singing about, the one that they were singing to. His concern was to understand the truth of what was being proclaimed by these men and what that message of salvation was all about. I fully believe, again, that the Holy Spirit of God was speaking to that man, speaking to him and leading him to, again, pay attention to what these guys are singing, pay attention to what they're praying. Men, again, who were truly the spokesmen of that one true almighty God. He comes to them, what must I do to be saved? As a marvelous question. And hopefully that's a question that each one of you, whether you're listening on the radio or whether you're listening or watching on the internet, hopefully you've said that or you've asked that question. What must I do to be saved? You know what? There's only one answer that rings true to that question. There's only one answer that truly will fulfill that question. This jailer knew that the prisoners were still in their cells. His life, his reputation as a jailer were still intact, and yet he knew he needed to be saved. Suddenly there was a draw by the Holy Spirit in his life caused him to consider his eternal standing before the one true Almighty God. Have you yourself ever considered your standing before God? You might say, oh, I'm young. I've got plenty of years before that'll happen. But no man knows the hour of his days. No man knows that time when you'll breathe your last. Have you ever settled that question? What must I do to be saved? This man knew he needed to be saved. He knew that something had to happen within his life. You that do know Christ, listening or watching? How would you answer that question? If someone came up to you who did not know Christ, you say you know Christ, you say that you are his follower, you say that you are a child of God. What happens when your neighbor or your friend or your family member comes up to you and asks that simple question? What do I need to do to be saved? Do you know how to answer them? Have you really considered the reality that you may be the very one that needs to answer that question for them? Oh, come to our church and you'll hear, you know, you'll hear the message preached. Oh, if you simply change your life, if you just start living your life in a good and a moral way. About, wow, well, you, you just need to start going to church. Just need to turn over a new life. Guys, we say that, we might as well be like the Judaizers and say, you know what? You need to be circumcised because that's about all the good it'll do for you. Church, you and I, we need to remember that there is absolutely no deed of the flesh that will ever compensate the need that we have in the spirit. There is nothing at all that we can accomplish in the flesh that will achieve our salvation. Paul and Silas' answer was so simple, but understand, it wasn't simplistic. The answer was so simple, and yet it was an answer that was so deep. The answer that they gave, the response that they gave to that jailer is what changed everything in this man's life right then and for all eternity. Verse 31, Paul and Silas said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You and your household. And then he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. You need to understand this isn't simply a head knowledge, just an agreement of facts. Oh, do you believe uh, that there was a Jesus Christ that walked on the earth? Oh, yes, yes, I believe that. Oh, do you believe that he was the son of God? Oh, yes, I, I believe that. Do you believe that he died for the sin of all mankind? Oh, yes, yes, I I believe that. But you know what? James tells us that even the demons believe, but they're smart enough to tremble at that truth. It's much more than just a head knowledge of the facts. The simple declaration of that statement that Paul makes, it bears with it the depth of what it means to believe and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Two very important facts, to believe and to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe is to receive or accept something or someone as the truth. And in this case, it even goes deeper. It has that connotation of staking your very life on that truth, staking your very life on it. You, some of you crazy people, whether it's been because of military or for some other reason, you actually jumped out of a perfectly good airplane at one time in your life. And you believed that that parachute would keep you from going splat. You staked your very life on that. But what about your eternity? What are you staking your eternity on? For the Roman, that concept of Lord was actually, it wasn't too difficult. They understood what Lord meant. For them, Caesar was Lord, though. Anything and everything that Caesar wanted, that's what the people did. There was no question about obedience. If you were a Roman citizen, you obeyed. Uh, The thought of disobeying the commands or the directives or even the desires of Caesar would never, ever stay in the mind of the Roman citizen, at least not for long, at least while his head is on his shoulders. As a Roman citizen, you actually swore allegiance to Caesar. He was not only the sovereign ruler of that empire, he was continually looked on by the Roman citizens as a God and worthy of all honor and worship and respect from anyone who is a part of the Roman citizenry. You need to recognize Jesus as Lord, not Caesar. And for a Roman to change his allegiance from Caesar to Jesus Christ as the one and only Lord. That was an absolute, that was a total change of everything in their life. He was now placing all of his livelihood. He was placing his family. He was placing his freedom. He was placing his life on the line. Because no longer do I believe Caesar is Lord. I know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is Lord. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is a life-altering event that changes the very reality of an individual's life. If it hasn't changed your reality when you came to Christ, maybe you haven't fully come to Christ. The impact of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ brings us to recognize that we're now, at this point in our life, because we're His, because we have recognized Him in our life, we've received the Lordship of Christ, that we are now fully and completely submitted to, we are committed to the very desires and the directives of Christ in our lives above all else, above everything else, above the desires of our flesh. Above, yes, the desires of our family and our friends. Above the desires of the multitude of Caesars that may have been in our own lives. But this world and all of its desires, it's still going to come back and try to control you. You come to Christ, the things of this world are still going to go after you. The things of your flesh, they're still going to go after you. That's why we need to continually be pledging our allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ. Receiving no other Lord, receiving and giving no other worship, heeding no other voice other than the voice of God in our lives. The world will scream out, the world will demand that you hear her voice and disregard the voice of God in your life. The lies of the flesh, the lies of the world, the lies of Satan himself. Because we believe that lie, we move into those things. We are called no longer to believe in the lie, but to believe in the truth that is the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ means you no longer believe and live in the lies of the flesh or the world or Satan. To believe in the Lord Jesus Christ means there's no longer a Caesar that you pay homage to. There's no other God that you answer to. No other thing or passion that you allow to control you. This jailer believed, and when he believed, the Holy Spirit changed his life forever. How do I know that? Because suddenly he took these two prisoners that he was put in charge of. He brought them out of the prison, even brought them into his home. Look what it says in verse 33 as we begin to wrap up here. Verse 33, And he, the jailer, took them, Paul and Silas, the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced having believed in God with all of his household. When Luke tells us in verse 22 that that Paul and Silas spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house, I believe that they were giving this Gentile crowd a crash course in Old Testament prophecy and in New Testament fulfillment. They were sharing with them who exactly Jesus was and, again, his fulfillment of prophecy. There was an obedience in their life, even at that point as they surrendered to Christ, there was an obedience there that caused them to follow what the Lord had commanded. And it was evident to Paul and to Silas that these lives were changed. And then they took them and they baptized them. They baptized them not to save them, but because they're already testified. I believe in Jesus Christ. I've surrendered my life to him. If you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you need to also consider being obedient to the point of baptism. You need to follow him in believer's baptism. The joy that Paul and Silas had, again, even in the pit of that dungeon, was now the joy that that jailer and his family felt. The word says that he, that jailer, he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. What about you? I'm asking about your position in the family of God for all eternity. And guys, that is only accomplished one way, by believing, committing, submitting yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, that he becomes the very Lord of your life that he becomes the one who all of you is all of his. And all that you would ever have, you recognize, comes from him and for his glory. Have you ever come to that time and place in your life where you've publicly professed that you truly and completely believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord, truly the Lord of your life? Have you ever honestly without reservation, committed your physical and your eternal life to his lordship. Recognizing that the one who paid for your sins has bought you. He has redeemed you to himself and that your savior calls for you to follow him in obedience. Maybe today is that day that you fully Respond to Christ because today I want you to know I want you to be able to receive that gift of that full forgiveness of your sin and enter into that eternal relationship with God the one who created you who desires so much to be your loving heavenly father are you ready to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to truly be saved.
1: Open our us from within by the open
0: word Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own, and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener.
2: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray, too, for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.